Yo, what's up? How you doing? This is Len, a.k.a. The Bat Tribble, um, giving you a heads up, all you Michaud missionaries out there, that this episode, 64, our review of Darktown Strutters, is a very special episode. Not only are we blessed to have Mike Dennis of Real Black and Real Black TV is our very special guest and thus the person who chose the film for this edition of the Michelle Mission. But he was able to wrangle us and interview with the Darktown Strutters star herself, Trina Parks. So needless to say, this show is massive and obese. So much so that in reviewing it, I couldn't find a really good place to edit this down to an hour long show for our radio broadcast. So our radio broadcast on WPPM is actually going to be a rerun and people who uh, subscribe on iTunes or SoundCloud and every place else or go strictly straight to MichelleMission.com, you will get the brand new episode 64 of the Michelle Mission with our review of Darktown Strutters and our interview with the star Trina Parks, all by way of Mike Dennis of Real Black. And yeah, Vince is here too. Next week, we'll catch up with Vince on his European vacation um, as we dip into uh, another episode of the Michelle Mission. But for night, but for tonight, we're just bringing you a whole lot of movie talk with Mike Dennis, who's got a whole lot to talk about when it comes to movies. Enjoy the show. Great, thank you. Thank you so much for agreeing to uh, talk with us this evening. Yes, yes. Oh, hi. Pleasure. <laughs> That's cool. Cool. So, uh, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Michelle Mission, and we have a very big surprise for you tonight. Yes, we do. We are speaking none other than to the star of Dark Town Strutters. It is the amazing Trina Parks on the line with us. Hello, All right. Trina. Hello, Miss Parks. Hello, Miss Parks. How are you doing? Hi. How are you? Well, we're doing better now. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. This, this where, is. Where are you calling from? We are um, located in the city of brotherly love in and sisterly affection, Philadelphia. Oh, in Philly. Yeah. Well, I'm in. I'm in Atlanta, but I've been in Philly many times in my lifetime at performing. And when I was doing Broadway, we always went to Philly to do our uh, the previews of the show. It was always uh, Philadelphia and Boston, and then back to New York. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Well, I mean, I, I, I wanted I wanted to do this podcast with these guys for a long time, and Darktown Strutters is on the short list of movies that I wanted to talk about. It's like one of my Guilty pleasures. Where did this movie come from? <laughs> no. Well, um, 
it was actually you know, done by, um, part of it was from Dimension Films, uh, with Gene Corman production back, back then. Yeah, Roger Corman's dad. Right, or right. Brother, the brother, brother, right, the brother, brother. Excuse me. And uh, yeah, I mean, well, it's, it's just a, a wacky right. movie. Um, but I mean, so uh, how did you first become involved, I guess? Um, actually, I was a uh, um, client of the uh, Agency for the Performing Arts. And um, after, of course, I had done Diamonds Off Forever, that I was doing, you know, several of uh, TV and uh, TV things and live performances and all. And they called me and um, uh, when they and they said, you know, told me about the film. This is going to be like a, you know, spoof uh, uh, a comedy. And I was I was actually the straight guy in the whole film. And uh, yeah, I guess it was Roger or Jean um, who were, was uh, interested in me, you know, after seeing me and several other things. Especially the from the move from Diamonds Up Ever. Did you did you when you first checked out the script? Did you think that this was right in your wheelhouse, or was this going to be something that you could actually like really have a lot of fun with and show different sides of yourself? Yes, yes. That actually, the latter. I, I felt that it was a good um, role for me because there were different characters that I had portrayed, which I liked. That you know. That was one of the main things that I did like about it. Mm-hmm. Well, look, looking at the film, it looks like the cast had a ball making. And I was just wondering, was that just really good acting or, or was it seemed was the energy infectious among you? It was. No, we, we were all friends, too, you know, before the film. So, no, we, we had a good time. Both, you know, um, Roger's group and, you know. And my my gang, the, uh, the three ladies, yeah, we were all we had a good time with doing that film. It was fun. Trina, please t- tell us about some of the other actors. I know I know, um, you know, the, who were the th- the other three women in the in the movie? Oh gosh, uh, Ed, Edna, uh, Edna Wright, I think, um, or the Shirley uh, Shirley uh, Washington. Washington. Yeah, uh, yes. She was uh, she was actually, uh, her and I were um, members of an organization called Kwanzaa back then in the 70s. And uh, so, you know, we were friends from there. And I think Shirley, before that, before I met her, she was she won the... Um, Miss Black uh, America. American, and, and, uh, and she's from Detroit. She was like Miss Black America, I think, right? Yeah, from Detroit, right, yeah. Um and the uh, Edna and oh, I can't remember the other lady's name. Betty, Betty Sweet. Betty Sweet. Yeah. Betty, yes. Uh, they, 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 um, they, I did meet uh, just recently. You know, just before that. Yeah, they were new friends. But they all, everybody was so wonderful. And, and Roger, my co-star, Roger Mosley, yes. we knew each other. You know, several years before that, so it was a fun thing to do. No, so it's it's a great cast, and then there's a, a Catherine Dunham connection in that film as well with uh, Frances Neely. Um, Frances was uh, she that she actually uh, the tap dancer, and um, yeah, she played uh, she played my mother. Yeah, but, yes. but but you both you both had connection to Catherine Dunham, correct or no? Yeah, well, she 
she was before me, when she studied with Denim, I actually was in Miss Denim's last company, dance company, in 64. To uh, Then we ended in 66 in Paris. Yeah. Okay, I have to. I, I don't know why these guys are, are, are like pussyfooting around a question. I have to ask you, Miss <laughs> Parks, do you still have and occasionally wear your helmet from Darktown Strutters? <laughs> it is a great helmet. No, especially when I go shopping, you know, grocery shop. <laughs> no, unfortunately, someone took that helmet um, during the shooting. Somebody got it. And also my costume, my yellow costume, yeah. I wow. had the boots for a while, but you know, at that time the boots went out of style, but now they're back in style, and uh, who knows where they are. <laughs> <laughs> the, the costumes were great. I mean, you know, the costumes were fantastic. I, I mean, just just the design in general, you know, showed a lot of wit and a lot of humor. Oh yeah, that's a good costume. I remember that costume. <laughs> <laughs> now, yeah, I like that. No, I bet you did. <laughs> now, now, Trina, this this is your Miss Parks. I should say this is your one and only like leading role in a movie. But I mean, what I love about it is just the energy you bring to it. Like the way you enter and exit a scene. I know you, I can tell you're a dancer. Just the way you move. <laughs> Like what? What? What went into developing your character? Was there a lot of time, or did you have a lot of freedom? Um, actually, yes. Well, from your first comment, I did uh, also star in a movie called The Mothers, M U T H E R S. Right, but was, that was with Jane Kennedy and you know other. Yes. Like it was like three of you. This you really you're like the main. Yeah. Director, you know, and uh, assistant director, and, and 
talk about it. But basically, I had no real problems and with, with with the character, with with the director. Um, I had a a big. <laughs> I'm not classic, but I had a little bit of mm, uh, you know not that great feeling about doing the the nun part, the mm, nun section. Right, right. Um, I was a little you know off with that and. Uh, I spoke a little about that, and I said I didn't want to take it too too far. Uh, you know, in terms of like getting getting the actors to do certain things. Uh-huh. I mean, what was the spirit that you went into it with? How was it explained to you? Um, you know, in terms of the the race issues and and different things like that. Yeah. Um, there was a couple of things that we uh, were didn't like um it was uh, i think it was one in the jail um where they said oh gosh what was that line i think that they said that we both roger and i were upset even though we well i was in that scene that roger wasn't and that it could be changed the wording a little bit and also um the interlocutors uh Mm-hmm. Scene. Right. Um, that was actually from, you know, the Boardville. Uh, right. Boardville, Mr. Bones. Right, right. I mean, it's a true thing, but it's just that, you know, black face and, and black black men in black face, you know, that was like the spoof, and that was, was basically what they were saying this whole thing was supposed to be. You know, uh, so, I mean, we as actors could say what we wanted to do in certain, certain roles, like I did. Um, mentioned, but on the, you know, the whole gamut of the whole film, I mean, that was up to the director and producer of what was going to be, uh, you know, on the screen. Mm -hmm. So here we are in 2017 talking about Darktown Strutters. How do you feel about it achieving this, you know, cult status or this status where, where, well, people are interested in it? Did, Did you think it would last this long? Not at all. <laughs> Not at all. I had no idea. You know, at this time of 2017, I was, I was speaking about, you know, a movie that I did in uh, 1976. You know. <laughs> um, that's the same with, you know, Diamonds uh, Forever. You know, I had, I mean, when I was, I was just doing a lot of work, with, you know, in the 70s and 80s. Um, I was doing theater and doing, you know, doing working in New York and then working in in, in uh, Los Angeles, California, and I was just doing things. You know, my agency for the performing arts, the agents were so wonderful. I had agents, you know, there and in New York, and and it just was a working period for me, which was great. You know, I was just doing a lot of things that I enjoyed. But you know. But I know you're still busy. I mean, I, I follow you on uh, Instagram and Facebook and everything. What are, oh. what are you up to now? Really? I actually, uh, well, actually, Saturday I, I received a uh, dance honor from the Fulton County of uh, uh, Culture and Arts and and, and uh, the Links organization. Um, and for, I've been teaching uh, the Dunham and lecturing on black dance history here in Atlanta at uh, different colleges and, you know, and, uh, high schools. Um, 
And, and last year, I received the Lifetime Achievement Award from President Obama wow. for my wow. career in the arts and being the James Bond woman, I guess, all that stuff. <laughs> 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 I just, this is really, you know, so, so it's such an honor, you know, to do that. But, I mean, it's not something, something I'm continuing to do. Because, you know, I was taught by such wonderful, wonderful choreographers, directors, you know, and I'm just passing on what I was taught as best I can. In, in that vein of, of passing on what you what you've learned, um, we like to ask our, our very special guests if they can share with our audience maybe the best piece of of advice that you have ever received and from whom? Um, let's say uh, my father, who was the lead tennis sax man in Cab Calloway's band back in the 40s to the 60s and before that, Jimmy Lunsford and all, he was a great influence for me. Wonderful musician. He was, uh, you know, played all the wind instruments, his bass. His main instrument was instrument was the tennis and alto sax and the flute piccolo, but he taught also. He taught classical music, and he used to take me to uh, the Brooklyn Academy of Music, and I was taking ballet there when I was about from about six years old till about ten, um, and he would say to me, "Always respect everyone." You never know who's watching you. Mm. Always respect whoever you speak with, you know. And I never, never forgot that because so many times I've seen the situation where, for instance, uh, at at uh, interviews and so on, you see people around, uh, maybe even sweeping the floor or answering the phone. And or, or taking names down, and the, the, the actors or the persons there uh, coming in were maybe short with them because they were doing something else, uh, and that giving them, you know, respect because they <laughs> think they were just sweeping the floor, or just answering the phone, mm-hmm. or whatever. Right. And right. that same <laughs> that same person would go put the broom down or, you know, leave that desk and go right into that interview room or audition room and be the director or Mm -hmm. the producer of that production. So you never know who you're talking to. That's right. You never know who you're talking with. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Ms. Parks, for taking the time to speak with us. You're welcome. All right, and now I'll be, oh, you're in Atlanta. I'll be in Atlanta next year probably we should hook up and if i if we, we all make films and stuff so we're we'll go on a mission to like we can recreate the helmet yes yes <laughs> yes yo, yo i'm going to get like the whole helmet the 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 costume the whole nine i got like a whole squad of cosplayers and i'm going to get like a whole dark town strutters photo shoot together <laughs> and i'm going to send you all those pictures and say you remember when they're not quite. They're not quite some Serena like you, but they're doing their best. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you Ms. so Parks. much, Miss Parks. Thank you very much. Look out! Get down! The Darktown Strutters are riding to town. 
They're fast as a jet, sharp as Gillette, and what you see is what you get. One podcast, every black film ever made. My name is Glenn, a.k.a. The Bat Tribble. And as always, I'm joined by... Uh, this is Vincent Williams. It's all soul, Wednesdays, 8 to 10. And, I guess. and tonight, ladies and gentlemen, we are reviewing from 1976, Dark Town Strutters. Yes. Directed by William Whitney and starring the effervescent Trina Parks, who... We will be speaking with right here on this show. Yes, we are. And why are we speaking with Trina Parks? We owe it all to our very special guest joining us for this review. The person who chose Dark Town yes. for this episode of the show yes. mission. He is the head muckety muck and big wig and big man in charge. Great honor. Great honor to real be here. Black. Uh, uh, H N I C Grand Poobah. Yes, indeed. They are real black, right, located right here in Philadelphia. Yes, a they are. Full fledged video production company. Yes, that they is are. Dedicated to producing and promoting good black movies. Uh, you were you were good there until so like maybe two seconds. I thought you were reading. Actually, you just don't us. Off the top of your my arms getting. I'm gonna stop the recording, but yeah, we're. Yes. I got a little snap of a video. Mr. Mike Dennis, you didn't actually say I his know, name. I know because he, he, he popped in. Because the- I'm the muckety muck. That's why the muckety muck. Yeah, anyway, Mike Dennis in the building, ladies and gentlemen. What's up, Mike? I'm doing good, man. So finally, I've been listening every week. You guys are like killing it. We try. So, we try. And then we I know you like real black. I, hey, man, that's real. Well, you called me and said, Black. "Well, I want you. I want you to pick a movie." I'm like, "Well, I could just want you pick a movie, right?" And it's like, "No, that's not how it works, Mike." <laughs> so, so I'm. I I said, "All right, I'm gonna get you guys. I'm not gonna pick anything y'all had to see. This is one of the most interesting, rarest." Movies for a long time it was completely unavailable, and then it was recently brought back on Turner Classic Movies Underground, and and uh, there've been bootlegs floating around. And it's actually available yeah. on Amazon Prime as we speak. Yeah. Is it really? Yeah, that's where I watched it. But it's one of the hardest I watched movies. It on one of the hardest uh, black films. Well, I guess if it's on YouTube, everything's yeah. on YouTube, right? But it was one of the hardest uh, for a long time. One of the most obscure black movies, and. Mm. And but very provocative name, and you know when I find years ago when I had a chance to see it, I was like, "Wow, where did this movie come from? How did this movie get made? Who would even think right, to make right. a movie yeah. and call it Darktown Strutters?" Right, right. I had, never even, I had never seen the film, so when you said Darktown Strutters, the first thing that went to my mind is like, "Oh, this is something dedicated to New Orleans." 
Mm. That right, was the first right. thing that went through my mind. And and I said it to Vince, and Vince just laughed. He was like, ha, ah, wait till you see it. <laughs> it's true. I did. And and in, in this in life you, you have to be careful because once you see some certain things like in Super Eight, you cannot unsee yeah. certain things. Oh, yeah. So dark dark times are, but this is honestly it's it's a guilty pleasure for me. I mean there's some there's certain movies they call them like golden turkeys or whatever. Like they're so bad they're good, right? And they have right. cult followings. And like Rocky Horror Picture Show is one of the one of those. Uh, the Room, you know. This mm-hmm. this is a kind of movie like in, in an alternate universe, you know, where, where where if black folks are running things the way they do, Dark Town Strutters would be playing at the Ritz every month, right? And people would be like like in costume and and doing stuff because it's just one of those bizarre. Movies and we'll get into the plot more, I'm sure. But yeah, but it's it's one it's subversive. Yes, um, it's provocative. It pushes buttons. It's something completely politically incorrect, but also um, has a level of satire in it that if if you're in the right zone, 420 or whatever, you'll start seeing things in this movie that actually are kind of real. Right, me. right, right. So, but but um. You know, I'll, I'll let, who wants to describe the plot? How well, would you describe the plot? How do you describe the plot? The, the IMDb simply says Serena, played by Trina Parks, played by Trina Parks, must investigate the disappearance of her mother, Cinderella. After that, a series of wild complications follow. <laughs> that's that's according to IMDb All when right. they talk about Darktown Strutters, a a quote unquote black exploitation okay. film from 1976 right, so, that starred Trina Parks. Edna Richardson, Betty Sweet, and Shirley Washington as this roving all-girl motorcycle gang, room room, getting their groove on, getting their costumes on, uh, and also stars a very young Roger Mosley. Yes, it does. As Mello, um, a favorite here on the Michelle Mission, Stan Shaw. Yes, Stan Mark, Shaw. Another favorite here on the Michelle Mission, Dwayne Jesse. Yes. As VD. That's right. <laughs> Literally. That's Dwayne right. Jesse from Car Wash. Yeah, Jesse that's right. From Otis Day and the Knights of Animal House fame. D- yes. Dwayne Jesse from 1970s, 1980s movies. This yes. was, he was a working yes. black actor mm-hmm. doing his things on the movies and on television. And this and film is chock full of those actors. Yeah, and yeah. Christopher Joy is another one of the group. So, I mean, what 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 is this like a bizarre Mondo movie? You know, it comes from, it was released by New World Pictures which was sort of the Roger Corman's company, right. which right, came, right. it was his own company which he developed after releasing all of his work throughout the 60s through American International Pictures, which um, was most famously known for the Beach Party movies. Right, right. With Frankie, Frankie and Annette. I mean, just grinding out stuff for drive-ins and stuff. So by the time 1974, 75 rolls around, uh, black exploitation is a thing. And basically, you know, there's a black movie every week mm-hmm. you know, from at that time period. So I don't know whose genius idea it was to go into the studio and say, "Hey, I got an idea for you. Let's um let's take the beach party movie formula and mix it with some bikers and then we'll make it all black and then as uh counterculturally offensive as possible." Right, yeah. right. You know. And that getting that strung from the the brain and and throw music in. I was about to say with sort of oh, this buzz like it, you beach party. Yeah. Well, it, and it has this sort of Busby Berkeley early 20th century 
Yeah, there's a lot of slapstick know, comedy, slapstick Keystone kind of copy. sensibility to it. Yeah, so. which is you know if you look at the Beach Party movies, there's a little bit of it. Right, right. But um, yeah, I mean we'll get into, but the, the movie starts off with a pie fight, right, and ends with a watermelon fight, yeah. right. So you know that that's the sensibility of the the this kind is, of comedy. This is where we are. <laughs> but we have not even scratched the surface. Not I don't know if you want to get into it. And, and, and it really is a film where, you know, you talk about the plot and the plot is is barely even worth talking about because so much of what makes this film sort of worthy of conversation just has to do with all of that other stuff. Like you just think about all of the um, antecedents and all of all of the pieces that you say go into this gumbo mm-hmm. to make up this film. And, oh, you know, I completely disagree on that. I think the plot is genius. <laughs> I mean, people are going ape crazy. I'm watching my mouth over <laughs> get out. This movie 35, 40 years before is doing the same subversive things that you see in get out. I mean, you, you know, so, so absolutely. <laughs> Please continue with this. Yes. All right. Well, I'm, I'm sure at this point, everybody who's listening to this has seen Get Out. Multiple yes. Times, right? Yes. So if you if you if you look at Get Out, I mean, what what's happening in Get Out? You have you have black men being right. snatched off the street. Yes. And being involved in some sort of medical experiment. Yes. yes. Same thing happens. Same thing in, in this Darktown Strutters. We, Basically, the, the the premise is the she's looking for her mother, Cinderella, but the police don't have time to look for Cinderella because they are trying. To, everybody's trying to investigate the disappearance of seven black men. Right, important right. black men. Important black men, right. and it turns out that that the guy who looks very very much like Colonel Sanders, who runs a um, uh, rib empire which, yes. where you can get free watermelon with your ribs right you know which is a, which is a conspiracy theory that they had back in the day like there's something in Kentucky fried chicken yes like why yes. is why Kentucky fried chicken always being marketed to black people almost exclusively this whole idea of chicken and he he is the one responsible for kidnapping these black men putting them in a dungeon so that he can figure out how to clone them and in order to get the black vote I think you know just on a Premise-wise, there's nothing more subversive that you could say in 1974. I mean, three the hard way, right borderline right, right. in terms of poisoning the water. But I mean, that's just on a on a premise level. How do you get that into a movie? Unless you say it's we're really talking about black blackface beach beach party. I'm movie. actually I'm actually finished. Like I'm just gonna put my mic down and go home because you have successfully linked Darktown Strutters with Get Out. And well, that's the game. That's the that's, whole thing. How do you sneak in little what you, messages into what you, this garbage? Y'all know? don't see me, but I'm like giving my hand, like ladies and gentlemen, Mike Dennis. <laughs> <laughs> that's. I mean, I wouldn't. I wouldn't bring that. Film. I wouldn't say watch this. You know, because of you know some. There's some deep things going on in in Darktown Strutters. You see, know. see, okay, there there are deep things. <laughs> super, super, super racist and offensive. Also, right. are, are, and is, is it super and, racist and offensive, or is it subversive? Well, super, super poorly executed, poorly, you know, not not really super entertaining at, at points either. It's yeah. not, right. it's not a, it's right. not a classic film by any stretch. But but some of the ideas that it's throwing in your face. See, I think the difference the difference is. Is that in Get Out, everything that is there in Get Out 
on the surface level and then um, beneath the surface as well mm-hmm. feels purposeful. Yeah. In Darktown Strutters, I think time has has given you greater insight into the plot details of this movie than the uh, writers ever it's, intended. Yeah, well, it's a complete fluke. Yeah, right, any right, of right. Stuff. I think they just lucked into that. Right. No, but I but I don't think it's luck. I think I think you you have to understand where what the edict of, of Roger Corman was about. Like, you know, there were lots of people making trashy movies for drive-ins right, right. at the time. The right. reason why people talk about Roger Corman so much, and he's still living as we, as we record this. He's in his 80s, you know, and he's still making movies. Death Race 2017 just came out. Yep. I mean, but, you know, the whole edict there was, I'm going to hire young talent, actors, directors, mm-hmm. and... You know, I have a pipeline. I have a platform where, much in the way Blumhouse does now, like Blumhouse, their formula is: I'll make a horror film as long as it costs under five million dollars. I can sell it. I can sell it somewhere. Right. And I'm going to make some money. I'm going to market the hell out of it. Basically, Corman was doing the same thing with the drive-ins. It's like, look, all these drive-ins exist. They just need product. They don't care what it is as long as it looks good on the poster. Right. And I'm going to let you make whatever movie you want. As long as it has a, a car chase, some violence, some, something to make the trailer look good, and then a little bit of a social message, right? So mm-hmm. that was so so many filmmakers that we re- respect now as being like Jonathan Demme and Jonathan Kaplan, who did the accused. You know, so many people came out of that school of thought, right? And George Armitage, I was about to say, is the screenwriter for this movie, right? So. You know, before that, he made another Corman film called Gas, which which was a countercultural subversive thing in 1970. Ben Vereen's in it, and it's just a, the whole premise of that is a gas is leaked, and everybody over the age of I think 25 is killed. So now young people rule the land. Right, okay. right, and, right. But it also had that same sort of oddball slapstick, quick, you know, sort of laughing kind of stuff going on. It mm-hmm. was a little, and it made no money either. Right. But with the know. subtext. Well, that was the well, you know, I think that was the wavelength that he was on, you know, okay. just trying to present yeah. some countercultural things. Yeah. And he's in his ideas, early thirties at this moment, so he's in, still a relative in the movie. So I think on on man. on paper, I think that it was very deliberate and intentional what he was trying, what buttons he wanted to push, and how he was going to do it. I think looking at the film, it just lacks budget. You know, right. they did this really quick. You know, like Get Out, they probably had the same amount of time to do Get Out, but Get Out basically is set in one location. It's set yeah. in and around yeah. Yeah. that house, a house, right? right? So this, you know, they're, they're it's it's confined in a sense because a lot of it's built on soundstage mm-hmm. and you have exteriors and things, but it's also way more ambitious in terms of trying to get musical numbers in and, yeah. and different things just to keep the thing moving. And then also you're shooting on film. So if if your 20-day schedule for Get Out, now if you're shooting on film, that's really a 10-day schedule. So this thing was cranked out. Nobody was really paying attention, and I think they got some things in there that um, you know will will mess with you if you look at it. I mean, I watch this movie probably once a year, and, and it's, a lot of it is garbage, but there's certain things that just trigger me. It's like, how did this happen? Well, the whole you, you know we talked you talked about the the rib joint, um, you, you know was it Skyhog is Sky the, is the name of the restaurant and the the sort of um, antebellum imagery of Colonel Sanders 
and, yes. and I think I think role of Commander Cross. But, but you know, I think you're absolutely right. Where where you know, it kind of speaks to that that kind of black folk tradition mm-hmm. of the conspiracy theory. And 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 you know, is there something in the chicken? And and why is he like? Why is it all slavey? Like why is Colonel Sanders all slavey, and yet we eat the chicken? And I will say, I think I put in my notes at some point that what you said about black men being snatched, mm-hmm. and that has always been been part of our folklore, right? And part of now, I didn't connect it to Get Out, but I, I right. see it. So. Well, you, you know, just that, to kind that, of co-sign that, sort of that there's is, more going on in this. Well, that's the, that's a conspiracy, and then you know if you take it to to I mean it's, it's bikers. I mean there's a lot of like you know Dwayne Jesse's VD, and literally anybody he touches is right, suddenly right, infected. So he so he's got to spray people with bottles. I mean there's a lot of stuff in there. It either works or it doesn't. Right. But it, I mean the the thing is, it seems like everybody's having a good time doing it. Yeah, and, they they are. I, I can I think the reason why I still despite your eloquent um, <laughs> argument to the dif- to differing it, I still think that it was very, not as purposeful, is because to me I look at this film as and, and, and admittedly mm-hmm. this is a movie that I've always looked for, because I've always said looking back at the like that, that mid 60s to like the early 70s part when you look at a lot of like British films, mm-hmm. um, or especially like in the uh, uh, like in Mighty Python of that day, that I always thought that there was in that style of comedy, like like just throw a hundred jokes up, mm-hmm. up up at the wall, you know, and just see what sticks, and it's just coming like totally like out of the box, just not caring about everything, just tearing down barriers, just going to. Oh, be also offensive and just try and just right. you know, like see what kind of message you can get out there through the comedy. I always thought that there was a lane in there for uh, a black film. Right. Yet right. I had never seen a black film th- that followed up on it. At least that I had never see- seen it. So mm-hmm. this was the first one that I saw. Right. And, and right. that's what I embraced immediately. Like when 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 the movie comes on and basically has the disclaimer. Right. So, you know, saying like any similarities to Cinderella, this is that's BS. Right. I was I stopped and I said, "Yo, Tawana, you got to come watch this movie because right? this movie, this, this, yeah, this, it, it lets you know this may be what I, I yeah. was looking for." Right. And I was with it all through in the beginning when the the girls are being chased by the cops, and then all of a sudden they duck around like a, a corner, and all of a sudden a, a tribesman comes out with a spear. I'm like, "Yo, yeah. I'm with this. I am with it. Right. I'm with this." Um, but it it. Quickly, and I don't know if it's budget, but I st- I blame it on the writing and also blame it on the director. Well, the director is a big issue. Yeah, yeah the director is a really big issue. W- William Whitney, who's been doing movies since the Busley Berkeley days. Right, which um, is right. And I think and it shows. Yeah, and it shows, absolutely. Um, it, 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 the energy they try to keep, I think, gets, gets lost. And that manic style that they want even with the crazy, you know, the paper mache sets and everything like that, I think that it, um, the writing doesn't, it could, because in all that mania, there still has to be strong writing, and there's not writing in here to, to carry it on. I, I, well, I mean, I don't know. You have to look at. I mean, first off, I think I think this is a one-off. I don't know if any anything else really. There's any. There's there's very little to compare it to, in terms of looking at 
all of American film or or whatever, you know. But this is coming after Blazing Saddles. I, I was and, thinking about Blazing Saddles yeah, when you Blazing were talking because Blazing Saddles was nineteen seventy seventy four seventy four right. Okay, so this is and, well, and I guess the it's probably made around yeah, the same probably time. around the same, around the same time. time. Yeah, and obviously there's a big Marx Brothers thing going on mm-hmm. in the movie, so mm-hmm. so people rediscovering that. But also you have the the whole sci fi kind of. Set design, you know, yeah. there are a lot of a lot of people were trying with movies like, you know, well, Xanadu's later, but yeah. you mm-hmm. know, stuff like the Apple. I mean, there's this whole idea in the oh, mid seventies wow, of <laughs> of like thinking about what what the future is going to look like. Let's yeah. make this futuristic, you know. So, you know, you know, basically these these four biker chicks look like they came off like they're open for Patti Labelle, right? And Labelle, yeah. I mean, their 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 costumes and all that stuff are right out of that sort of crazy, campy, um, futuristic 70s thing. Now, that's where I will say that this film is, uh, I champion this film. Mm -hmm. Because this film does, is led by Trina Parks, Mm -hmm. as we spoke about. And it is an off-the-wall comedy. Culture Kings is a podcast on the How Stuff Works Network, hosted by comedians Jacquees Neal and Edgar Montplacier. Every Wednesday and Friday, these two friends dive into topics ranging from sports, music, to movies, style. They wonder whether or not Donald Glover is a genius or a weirdo. They continuously decipher Kanye West's tweets and behavior. They also have recurring segments like Queen of the Week, The List, and Top Fives like Marvel Movies and Video Games. Listen to Culture Kings and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts and find out the best way to eat a taco. Oh, what's the best way to eat a taco? Vince, with your hands? With your hands. Also, with salsa on top of everything to hold the ingredients down. It's like a layer. It's the layer. Right. So that the lettuce doesn't fall off. Can't have falling lettuce. She yes. is asked to be. She is asked to perform different characters. Mm-hmm. She's asked to do slapstick. She's asked to do some wordplay. She's as asked well. to be a straight man at in certain points. Man. Yeah, she's asked to show off her, you know, her comedic chops, probably more so than she actually has been asked to do in a, most of her. Most well, this is her, her first real leading role. I mean, right. before that, Trina right. was basically a dancer, but known for her role as uh, thump. Thumper. 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 Thumper and, um, Diamonds, Diamonds are Forever. forever. First you know. Black Bond girl. Yes. I don't know so, if you said that yet. So, you know, but I, I, you know, if you bring up Blazing Saddles, she's kind of doing the same thing Cleavon Little is doing in Blazing Saddles. Yes, but it's a black woman. It's a woman, first of all. Yeah, there's, right. well, I'm just, I'm just saying the role of her character. Okay, yeah, right. Yeah, like, right. I mean, yeah, there's a lot of feminism and different things, like different, just, I don't, I don't even know if the movie is really trying to, um, I think it wants to just provoke, just keep yeah, pushing just your keep, buttons yeah. and get a reaction Poking from you. You. Yeah. you know, like so. There's a lot. Of, there's a lot of things where she's standing up for women and like, oh, women are, you know, black men are more important than women, and just yeah. having control over the situation. But, um, you know, basically, you know, some of the things like bas- she just plays different characters, like in in seeking information about where her mother Cinderella is she takes on various guises and goes into various situations and you know much in the way you know Cleavon Little he's he plays sort of a sheriff character the whole time in in Blazing Saddles but you know it's also inspired by a Bugs Bunny kind of yeah. thing where like with the Mon- Bunny, Mongo yeah. and mm-hmm. all those th- different things Candy like he, assu- for Mongo. he assumes different roles so mm-hmm. I think there's a little bit of 
um, Mel Brooksy kind of thing mm-hmm. trying yeah. to happen in this. But yeah, the script, you know, and and I don't, you know, I don't know if, you know, William Whitney. I think a lot of the stuff was made just to get it done and make some money, and nobody was really thinking about video or playing it beyond two weeks or whatever. Right. So, uh, but know, in some ways, you, you, I think that kind of liberates the writing and the direction because they think it's disposable. They think mm-hmm. that, you know, so, you, you know, almost through um, the subconscious. Yes. This stuff ends up in the script so that, you you know, 20, 30 years later, I think you're right. Like you look back and you see it and, you know, oh, maybe it wasn't were... deliberate, but it was in the air. People had to be high <laughs> to come up with Darktown Strutters. Yeah. There's no question drugs were involved at some level in, in the conception or even the green lighting of certain movies uh, from the 70s. Right, you know? right. So we, we have, I, I, I would definitely say we have drugs to thank for some of the images <laughs> that come up in. Thank in you, Darktown drugs. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but. You know, I, I just, just, you know, people dressed up as pigs people just, and people in red KKK helmets. I mean, it's just like, how do you get, how do you get a whole, not just one person say, wow, this is going to be cool, but like a whole crew of right. dozens of people to like or, invest their creativity. Or in just, just, you you know, after an hour and 10 minutes of it being just sort of surreal and, and, and like you said, drug influence, there's. It, the whole thing just fully stops for a, a musical performance from the dramatics. Doing behind what you see, you see is what you what get. You behind get. You. Yeah, they get into the dungeon and right. they throw a song in. And I'm like, why are the dramatics in this singing their song? Well, if you watch the trailer, <laughs> they basically bamboozled everybody. <laughs> like, hey, you know, they didn't mention anything about the plot. It's just like music video for right. what you yeah. see is what you get. Like. But yeah, I mean, but the music in it is great too. Even the the, um, the, the acapella moment. I yeah. mean, that's one of the most yeah. beautiful pieces of film. I would love to see that just restored. You know, yeah. like it, it, they stop they stop the whole movie. About, yeah. yeah, acapella in the park where they track back and everybody's just dressed in their blackness and they're, they're doing the Mad Lads um, song and and um, you know, to me, that's just beautiful. I mean, it's just expressing a it level. It was yeah, like watching that scene. I was like. Do they know what movie they're in? <laughs> well, again, and and you know, and I'm going to push back a little bit, Mike. Completely divorced from the plot, like you have these moments yeah, that are it's, it's they, no that just sort of stand it. by themselves. Yeah, and it's like, oh, okay, but, and, and by then you just sort of go with it. Well, yeah, I mean, they're, they're seven, I mean, I would say honestly, the first ten minutes of the movie is is inconsequential to me. I mean, it's interesting to yeah. see to see it, but the world. but once once right. they once they show the plantation and they start getting into sort of the subcultural, like the the political stuff, the the right. the power dynamics between the black people and and the Colonel Sanders guy mm-hmm. and the what the police represent and what the KKK represent. This is like. You know, as much as giving a middle finger to what what we perceived as our oppressors in nineteen seventy four is anything yeah. you'll see, and be, beyond, it's like a flip. I mean, a whole black exploitation genre is get whitey, get the man, who's the man, you know, and, and trying to like just sort of, you know, like seek revenge or whatever. But they they kind of lampoon all this stuff, and I, I think they get a lot of things in. But yeah, there's absolutely. But the rule is there's no rule, so they can right. they can literally make anything happen. 
Right. And and it's very much like a dream. Right. Like, you know, like I don't, you know, when you're dreaming, you can be grounded in one place and all of a sudden it just shifts. And then if you try and replay your dream, it's like, how did right. I get from, you know, here to here? And I think that movie, you know, certain things the Zucker brothers did later yeah. on right. have that. I mean, this, this movie... By by no means it could be the script. I mean, they did this really quick, and and I think maybe one of the unintentional radical moments, going back to what you said about how how sort of um, transgressive it is that Trina Parks mm-hmm. plays the main character, is that in all of this chaos, all of this madness, all of this dream logic, mm-hmm. Serena is able to kind of go through and is al- almost has an awareness. Mm-hmm. That this is a dream, and that there are no rules, and if there are no rules, and I'm the only one that knows that, right? I can do whatever I want. It's like Bugs Bunny. Yeah, yeah, it's it the is. Same thing. It's like the same you know, I'm, I think about the scene at at the police station where where the the police detective or captain mm-hmm. dons black face like I'm, I and need a to dress up as to go undercover, and then the other policemen kill him. Because he's a black person. Right. And Serena is there the whole time, but she's dressed up in a policeman's outfit. And it's like she knows uh, I can, you know. She gets the pass, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, there's lots of moments like that. I mean, I like the pawn shop scene. Yeah. You know, when (laughs) when the white woman is trying to buy things and and the guy says, well, you know, where do you get these things? It's like, well, I get them from folks. (laughs) It's like, and then uh, who do you sell them to? Well, I sell them to folks like you. (laughs) And, and I have to steal then, them from you. And, and then, yeah. yeah, so she buys it. And then three seconds later, these kids come in and they say, well, we got the can opener back, you know. And then he's, <laughs> the world keeps going and, around. And, and it's just sort of like, yeah. you know, so it's it's putting a, it's putting a thumb to the oppressor in a way that, that I think is much more successful. Or, or a spin on just like uh slaughter or somebody like you know oh you know they they rape my you know they 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 killed my you know that sort of kung fu thing right you right, know? right um but you know then but then some of the things that the actors are asked to do i don't know you know it, it still hurts some of some of the images it, it pushes a little too far yeah, yeah. and and that's when you kind of know these you know that's when you become aware of like who wrote this is this white right. people's exactly. right. idea right of funny because right. some of the stuff it ain't is just distasteful. Well, the blackface kind of throws you out of it for a second, mm-hmm. where you know it really is. It's like whoa! I yeah, was... You're talking about the police captain because that's the first black. That's oh the well, first well the police yeah. captain is almost played like farce, mm-hmm. like like. It, okay. But you know, but there's the scene further in where you have black men, yeah. in the traditional like they're actually wearing the cork, yeah, right. And it is it's very striking, and kind of throws mm-hmm. you out of it and. Yeah, but you know the but there's a key line in the movie when when um, she goes to the pawn shop and they're saying, well, you know, a lot of people think I'm out of style. It would have been great if they'd gotten some like really legendary, like a Clarence right. Muse or somebody to play a part. It's like you know, don't don't you know, um, you know, a lot of people think I'm out of style. You know, she's like, well, yeah, but we we wouldn't survive. We wouldn't get to be right, here right, if, it if it weren't for you, right? You know, so then. You know, spoiler alert, you know, at the end of the movie, when they're trying to, when they figured out where Cinderella is and they have to break into the the big house, the mansion to rescue her, how do they, how do they get in? How do they rescue her? You know, (laughs) Aunt Jemima and Uncle Ben come in with a whole plate full of these big pancakes. Giant pancakes. Put these big tire size pigs <laughs> and they throw them as saucers to push back the the pinky pigs and 
save grandma. People are listening to us describe this movie like, what in the <laughs> hell? It's a big dream. It's a live action cartoon. Yeah. But I mean, you know, but that, you know, but it's, I mean, those kind of images, it's, it's bothersome. You could never do this today. Oh, there's no way this could be made today. So but you but say, there's a lot of stuff in there. You say that, and you're probably right. However, mm-hmm. I would, I wouldn't. I think you could get away with this. There's no way you could get away with I that. Think could, you could get away, I think maybe you could. on like Adult Swim or Comedy Central. Is that what you're thinking? Look, Bamboozled was released, mm-hmm. and Bamboozled. And I think that. This movie in the right hands, for the most part, okay, there's some things you may have to like play mm. around with. But if you release this movie, set it in the 70s, right. even, but keep it in the 70s, I think you could release this movie. I don't, I don't, I don't know. This movie. You, I couldn't, you couldn't even come close because actors have more power. Like, you, you, well, okay. Like, I mean, we, yeah, we got Soul Plane, and now that, that was, that's, that's a, that's a, a mark. You know, that's like, that's the thing you know, that, that happened. That's, that's, that that's one of those one of those Hollywood shuffle deals where, like, if you know, like, eventually, if you're if you throw enough money at something, eventually somebody will agree right. to do it. But I think, um, yeah, there's no way you could do that. You could you could not replicate some of why, the symmetry. Why? Uh, black Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> Your career would be over before it started. First of all, well, I will say this. I think part of the tension in this movie that makes it work is that you have these black actors mm-hmm. working with this script mm-hmm. written by a white man. See, that's the problem. And but unless a white man writes it, I think that there are the, I, I think the tension is that. Like I think this is almost like you talked about grouping it with um Get Out. Mm-hmm. What I thought of thought about and we talked about a few weeks ago was Coonskin. Mm-hmm. That's another yeah, actually, one. You know, that's one and which is actually Roger Corman. Which is right. But it is brother. the tension of the outsider writing about our business and our culture. Mm-hmm. And and you know, I think I think that's sort of the, the, the alchemy that makes this work. I think if you have a black writer it's a different energy if you get my because you know and then you know we're gonna play Miss Park's interview before this, right? Yes. Just to let y'all know how we make the sausage. We put it together. But something that she said when we talked to her about the black actors and maybe there was some reservation in moments. Mm-hmm. And, you know, but it's the script and you're the actor. So, you know, at the end of the day, you, you got to have you, you have to do your job. Right. And you can almost feel it when you watch it at moments where you do have the black actors but then you have the white director and the white writer. And it kind of, like, again, that spark is kind of what makes it work in the parts that do work. Yeah. And you can't, I don't know, I, I don't think that you could duplicate that with a black writer and a black director. Well, because now it becomes a family. Well, affair. I think you just have to be, you, you have to take it on another level. If you were going to try, you would have to, you would have to be even more, you couldn't just play slapstick, blackout, laughing type laughs right but i mean i there's lots of stuff Chappelle clearly yeah yeah you know black white supremacist sketch you know all those kind of things i mean you can get away with it it's just i don't think you can go as far right you know like i just don't think you know like you know even the image of watermelon i mean i don't know if you you ever saw the the facebook thing 
it's really I think it's ingrained in our DNA. Certain images are are going to push buttons, like yes. how they they would walk up behind people with a cotton plant, and black people would just react viscerally from seeing cotton right. in a way that white people didn't. Right, and you're you talking know, so about so when you show watermelons. I don't, you know, even if you're sticking it to the KKK, I think also we know that our, our oppressors are not just. You know, I mean, you know, I mean, it's an, you know, when when people go undercover to talk to KKK members, it's already a joke, right? Right, because right. they don't have any power. They're not they're not preventing us from doing anything right. at this point. They're just hateful people, and they need to go somewhere. But so so the target in the seventies was just whiteness, right? And I think as 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 racism has evolved, if you're gonna lampoon or satirize what this is all about, you just can't be like you know, white guy in sheet and, and like give him like the banana in the tailpipe kind of thing. Right. To, right. You know, kind of thing, you know, to make, to make us feel good and retribution. I think that's why get out works is it gets in, it, you get inside the mind of it f- for 90 minutes or whatever. And then the, the, it's not necessarily the payback is there, yeah. but the fact that you don't see the victimization is really when the people cheer. Right, like when the police car pulls up and he gets away, and he gets away. That's right. that's something that was the same feeling that people felt with Django Unchained. Yeah, that was the yeah. same feeling when they saw Sweet Sweetback. It wasn't that Sweet Sweetback was the best, excuse me, best movie ever made. Right, it was just the fact that um, he got away at the end. Yes, yes, and that had never been seen before in a movie where a black character killed. A white policeman and got away with it yeah. so so you know if you were to remake a movie like this today you'd have to be a little more laser sharp on your targeting in in terms of and and understanding that uh you know you have to find an audience for it i mean this movie was not successful at all right not at all. i mean you know it's, it's always like cult status is like code for i mean is it successful now like, has anyone well, made any money off of Darktown Strutters? Well, I mean, you know, eventually it didn't cost anything, so I'm sure somebody's making money off of it. <laughs> it cost. No, not, not with the whole thing being up on YouTube now. And that's the shame oh. of, of so many of the films, especially of that era. Right. Are, like, fully up there. Well, but see, the, see the, thing, the thing about Darktown Strutters, I mean, it was so, I mean, the history on it was, you know, played for maybe two weeks right in the 70s it disappeared it came out on a video label in the late 80s on charter entertainment when vhs tapes were being sold to stores so a copy retailed for 60 bucks 80 bucks right so very few were made or sold very few stores carried it right and it became a big collectible like to for a long time you know, you, if you wanted, if you could find a, a decent, clean copy on VHS of Darktown Strutters, it would be ninety bucks, a hundred bucks. You know, posters for Darktown Strutters. You know, back in the past, they sold for you know three, four hundred dollars. Right now, you know, press books for it go for forty bucks. I mean, it's a, it's a because of the scarcity right. and the fact that you know you had to be a certain kind of movie geek to even know what you were talking about when you when you were talking about it. and then. 
when you see it, like you said, this is the minute you put it on, you want to call somebody else in the room. Like, I can, can right. you believe what I'm? Can you believe what I'm watching? So, and you know, to this day, there's still not a decent quality copy of it. I mean, even yeah. bootlegs of it, like you could get a copy it was selling in like dollar store for a dollar on DVD, which was actually a TV print from 16. It wasn't even it was censored. Was you know you could when it went out of print, it was selling for fifty, sixty, seventy dollars on eBay for that DVD. So I think it's good now that it's been released on Turner underground and better copies are available, but it's still not widescreen. It's still, I mean, like, you know, if I had a video label, I would, I would remaster, I get the the cleanest elements and I would get, I get all these people involved in it and make a movie. I I feel like so much of our black films from the seventies never end up on criterion. You know, yeah, and that is that is one of our bugaboos. And, you know, for here. me, this is the kind of movie that, yeah, clearly, and a lot of people are still around. We just talked to Miss Parks. Yeah, this yeah. this is something that's waiting to be rediscovered and looked at. I mean, Tarantino loves this movie. I mean, you there's a lot going on in this movie. Maybe like you, you know, you, you you'd have to look at it a few times and maybe cut out maybe twenty minutes of it. But there's some there's some genius level like Chappelle level stuff happening in the movie in bits and pieces and, and just the hodgepodge, the way they mix the music in and everything. It's just a crazy movie. I love movies like this. I love movies like Putney Swope and, and um, I'm going to get you sucker. And, you know, so I, I put black dynamite, I put all, all those kind of movies together. And then the fact that it actually has something to say, that's subversive. How do you feel about Pootie Tang? Oh, I heard you guys talking about it. Um, it's a piece of shit. Oh, excuse me. I, 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 um, Pootie Tang, uh, Chris Rock. Well, um, they could have done better. I mean, considering the brilliance of the HBO show, um, mm-hmm. and the, um, the talent involved. Yeah. But we never really got to see the real Pootie Tang. Right, so right, that's, right. That, that's the problem. So, um, with Louis C.K.'s success, maybe they'll go back and let him cut it the way Re-cut they it. want. Or, or maybe, I mean, Chris Rock, he tweeted one time he had a, a VHS of Louis C.K.'s edit somewhere in storage. So Oof. maybe that'll leak sometime and we'll get to see what it was really intended. But, um, you know, this movie, I'm sure there were some compromises too. But I, I, I just think, I just love artifacts like this. Right, right, you, right. You you get some real flavor, uh, and uh, yeah, I wouldn't I would never say to anybody this is like one of the best movies in the world, but it's definitely one of my guilty pleasures. Well, well that's what we were coming up on. Would 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 you recommend this to people all day? <laughs> like I say, once you see so- certain things, you can't unsee them. <laughs> so you need you need. I, I, it just makes me feel good. And then, then the thing about it, even though it's pushing those buttons, you know, I'm feeling a little cotton DNA at certain points in it. Like who's in control? The actors, you, where do you see people having that much fun? Black people having that much fun in the movie. Right, right. Just really just like not even concerned about the repercussion, so to speak. You know, so often, you know, we, you know, black movies, you see actors have to be dignified, have to, you know, be in their best light or whatever. I, I really get the sense, I mean, and like Soul Plane is a different era. I have big issues with that one because it, it just seems like they're doing it for the money. 
but clearly there was no money in this. Right. And yes, it was clearly. And, right. and it was just one of those things like like Trina said, I got to play with, hang out with my friends and right, do right. stuff that I I never get to do or never get asked right. to do. And that to me is just liberating. Just just the 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 possibility, you know, so so many movies, especially when you're talking about black films are so grounded in reality and our reality and our pain. Right. You know, and trying to communicate how how hard it is for us. I mean, even Get Out suffers from that to a certain extent. But this movie, in terms of, like, trying to force people to identify with, you know, um, the, the, you know, white white uh, supremacy, so to speak, or, you know, what, what the sunken place is about. This movie is not a, in any, nowhere near the sunken place. It's on the other side <laughs> of yeah. the planet. It's just black people having fun for 90 minutes, throwing watermelons at each other, and and tarn feathering Colonel Sanders and tying yes. him up to the sign and and um, you know kind of sticking it to to the whole system of oppression with a little bit of conspiracy thrown in and and some cool songs and yes. lots of color you know so and Frankie Crocker Frankie Crocker shows up <laughs> a lot of people that you saw in other movies episodes of Sanford and Son right Woodrow like, yeah. <laughs> yeah the Wood, Wanda Woody, Pages uh, yeah, yeah. Five, you know would so would you recommend this Vince you know I would. I would. I think it, it. I think it. It. I think it shows the possibilities of the seventies, because I also think that this is something that could only have been made in the seventies, mm-hmm. where, you know, just just blackness was enough to get a film made, and and you know you had this sort of the, this vein of of guerrilla filmmaking, and and that that we were involved in, yeah, and um. And I think there are enough moments in here. Like, I think there's more meat than bone. I think there's more meat than bone. No, I like how you said that blackness was enough to get a movie made. Yeah. You know, and, and you know, certain there's a lot of garbage. I'm sure you cover them on your podcast yeah. that were made in the 70s just because somebody thought they could make a quick buck. But I, I, yeah. I like this one because they kind of. They use the opportunity, like, "Hey, we got some gear, and we got some right. film, and got some actors. We let's not only have fun, but try and say say something, you know, under undercover, sneak something in." Right. But yeah. You know, so. And 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 you, Mister Webb, would you recommend Darktown I, Strutters to I the would, Michelle Missionaries? <laughs> this this is a guy that doesn't like anything ever. <laughs> I like movie. a lot of films. Okay. <laughs> I would recommend this to a party of Michelle missionaries. Okay. Like I will be honest, I don't think this this is sit down and chill and watch a you know, I'm gonna sit down and chill and watch a movie. But if I'm sitting there and I'm at it with a group of people and we're having a good time, you know, maybe it is four twenty, maybe mm-hmm. it's New Year's or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um I think it's this type of movie that you can put on. I would say whiskey time. o'clock. Is it whiskey o'clock? Whiskey what o'clock. time is it? Whiskey o'clock. Well, that's yeah, exactly. I mean, like if you've seen all the Dolomite movies and you're looking for something in that vein, yeah. this is the movie See, to now, go to. I, I'll Lynn, say this: Lynn, Lynn's I not like a Dolomite this better fan. than anything I've ever seen starring Dolomite. Oh wow, we can't talk anymore. This is my first and only appearance, appearance on the show mission. There, there are two of us, Mike. <laughs> there, there are two of us. I love the work of Rudy Ray Moore. All right, then then we we we, we can, can go right, but this because he's talking about Dolomite. You, you just, we you, you we just can got talk Donald about Trump. Petey Wheatstraw. 
the devil's devil son in That's right. He can't run. You <laughs> <laughs> try doing the show with Jesse. Right. I'm, I'm, I'm curious in these comments. <laughs> we, we shall see. We'll, we'll, well, I don't know. I can't, do, I can't do this every single week, but I certainly had fun. Well, I, we and I and I applaud you for for making this your mission to uh, to celebrate this work. And I really, this was a great one because I got to talk. We got we got to talk to Trina Parks. How yes. about that? And um, you know, I think you know, you know, you know, we 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 need to celebrate people and their accomplishments more, especially while they're here. Mm-hmm. Because my flowers you just don't know how you know people like a lot of people. A lot of times, people we're all busy doing our own thing, and if we don't reach back and say like this really is important to me, right? A lot of it because there's no money in it and all that other stuff. A lot of people don't feel like it's important to them, right. you know. So I mean, once again, I just want to sell it, just say like Trina. I wish there were like twenty. Sequels yeah. to Dark Town Strutters because um, she was amazing in the film. Um, she definitely carried it, and oh yeah, and this absolutely, was a, a lot of fun. And Roger Mosley, I mean, we all know him from you know the Magnum PIs yeah. and, right. and the Mac and everything, but you'll never see him in a role like this ever. And, no, no and you a, won't. It's just a, it's just a gem. So, and and these folks are still out there. So people, people need need to pay attention and, and put put them in some movies like yeah. this yeah. connect yeah, connect Cicely the dots. don't have to be in everything <laughs> connect the dots i mean like like you know we wouldn't be here if it weren't we wouldn't even have an hour of discussion if it weren't <laughs> for dark town strutters <laughs> he so, asked you what did you just ask him about you asked him about pootie tank what do you feel about leslie uggams she's great you know there you go why are you saying it like I don't love Leslie Uggams? Well, you were a little shady on Leslie Uggams. I love Uggum. Leslie Uggams. No, what Leslie I said Uggum. is that you have a soft spot for Leslie Uggams, which I find charming because you have a cold, dead thing that you call a heart. So it's very, it's, <laughs> it was refreshing to hear you actually show affection for another human being. It was like, wow, Lynn likes Leslie Uggams. Oh, well, but I love Leslie Uggams. Well, I you know you just I, can't because I love so many of these people. Unlike you, I'm just I, I like Cecily Tyson. I'm just tired of her getting every role. Okay, Leslie Uggams is out there. She and and, and Les- killed it in Deadpool. Leslie Uggams was just in uh, a short film I saw not too long ago. Well, she doesn't need to be in short films. She needs to be in feature films. Well, she, I, I think she can make whatever choices she wants. She's Leslie Uggams. But, there you go. But that's well, two she chose, G's. But she was in Deadpool. But but yeah, she's in depth. I mean, she's people. People should not sleep on her. She just did. They just posted. I don't know when they did it. Uh, her whole oral history on the archive of American TV. And I mean, this woman. She started out when TV was live. Yeah. And you know, it was in black and white, and she was singing, and she actually killed it. Disappeared and reinvented herself as an actress. Yeah. And came back even stronger. So. Yes. You know, you just have to you just have to recognize it wasn't like one of those I, I love Leslie. <laughs> it was you know, she came with just like Trina Parks. Like she came up in a time in show business where you couldn't just do one thing. You That's had, right. You had to hit everything right. and then and then making that transition from being a kid to an adult is extremely difficult. So um and she still kills it. I mean, I think I saw her do a one woman show at the Prince not too long ago. So long ago now, but yeah, I mean, but these are the kind of people we need to celebrate and, and honor. And, you know, if, you know, it shouldn't even be a podcast. I mean, these, these are people, they should have their own channel. 
Yeah. They should have. There should be criterion collections for a lot of this stuff. The artifacts collections. You said that word earlier, and I like. I like that. Artifacts. Yeah. Well, I mean, certain labels do this kind of work. I mean, clearly, you know, Vinegar Syndrome put yeah. out all the Dolomite South Factory. You just put out Certain Fury, which is another guilty pleasure movie for me. And, Blackenstein is coming out you know, this month. Tales from the Hood just dropped on Shout. You know, so there there is an audience for it. But and unfortunately, when you limit it just to Blu-ray exclusively, you're kind of catering yeah. to a non-black audience. And yes. I think I think that um, there need to be more discussion like this, where it's black people looking and look like really paying attention to this stuff and seeing what's going on, because that can only make the films that we make better. If, if the Michelle missionaries want to join us in and kneeling down in front of you, Michael Dennis, and just listen to you okay. go on and on about movies forever. <laughs> oh, this, is a this is stuff that's not going to make the final cut. All right, <laughs> where, we're we're where, in overtime. This is this is well, Michelle Mission OT. Well, it might not make their final cut, but I'm going to be listening because this is fantastic. All right, so now we're just talking. All right, fine. No, so but, but where can they go? Because we do have we got we got to start wrapping up. Where can they go if they want to find more about real black, real black TV? Oh, this is my shout out. Um, R E E L B L A C K. Just pump, pump that into your search engine and you'll find a whole bunch of stuff. Absolutely. So you have a, our YouTube channel. Thank God we just crossed a hundred thousand subscribers. I'm waiting for the plaque. I'm excited about that. Nice. And, um, you know, host in Philadelphia, uh, second Friday of every month, I host a, a, a screening series in West Philadelphia, and um, we're in. We're about to start our fifteenth season of that. Nice. So you know, you figure at least one show a month for fifteen years. I've shown a lot of films, uh, including Darktown Strutters, and um, you know, hopefully, with hope, you know, I'll get around to getting another original production done but right now i'm having a lot of fun just going through the archives and right. you know mm -hmm. if you follow instagram or twitter you'll see a lot of things that have never been seen and i'm, I'm i guess you're you're putting this on now like today basically you know this week so uh i'd say go subscribe to the youtube now because uh, in the next few weeks we're going to be putting up some really super special stuff that I didn't even know we had. So nice. um, we're talking about, you know, five or 10 minutes. Oh, oh, well, Paul Mooney interview that we did where I cut out. I don't know why we cut it out, but it's, um, he tells the, the story how he and Richard Pryor first met and how they became friends, oh, cool. which I don't know if, if he shared that on video too many places. So, so right. we're going to put that out along with the full, you know, all the raw footage of that. And then also uh, Patrice O'Neill. I know a lot of people love. Mm -hmm. um, we did an interview with him years ago that's, uh, I think, is approaching 100,000 views, the cut version. So we'll be putting up all the raw footage and there'll, there'll be some, you know, maybe 10 minutes that, that wasn't seen before. So just, just um, you know, honor, honoring the, the legacy of, you know, you know, when you do, if you do anything long enough, it becomes history. So... Um, yeah, that's 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 where we are with it. But yeah, and just you'll see me at the movies. Mike, you're doing the work. Uh, thank you. you. you you're doing well, so the you work. guys. I mean, yeah. I, I don't work as hard as you. I can't do what like I can do. guarantee you. Within our first conversation, real black came up. I appreciate that. So. You know, welcome and and cross pollinate. So if you know, I mean, just just uh, if you're listening to this and you've never experienced what, what I do, please. 
uh, like, comment, subscribe, follow, Absolutely. become a member, buy a Absolutely. t-shirt, any of that stuff. And likewise, I'll do the same with Michelle Mission and, and um, you know, we'll, I guess maybe we'll have to host a screening of something we can all agree on. I don't know about Lynn. Yes. Um, we'll, we'll talk, Mike. We'll, 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 figure, we'll, we'll figure out we'll, a we'll figure it. We, 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 we screened movies that I didn't like. Didn't we? At Amalgam? Yes. We you did. showed stuff? We, it seems did like you, you like, like Abby? Anything. No. Well, well I didn't like Abby. Did you like Crush Groove? I love Crush Groove. There you go. We screened Crush Groove. I love Crush Groove. And we're doing the Wiz. And we're doing the Wiz. Yeah, so yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's not about liking stuff. It's about appreciating. Right, right. But, right, but we appreciate it. I mean, a lot of the stuff, I mean, you can't put it up against Gone with the... Well, I wouldn't, I wouldn't even say Gone with the... Uh, you can't put it up against Citizen Kane and All say right. this, this right. counts as a good movie. But, you know, as Artifact and as what's been done before... You know, this, this is like the best time. I mean, I was, I was talking to somebody. I mean, now we're just talking. I was talking to somebody like the images. Like I, I talk to Charles Woods all the time. He's like, man, the images that I had to grow up with really messed me up. Really, you know, right. like he westerns, like you know, Ooh. you know, where you you didn't even see, or even just Hollywood movies in general, where they're the only black people you saw ever were in positions of servitude, and then you come. To me, I'm growing up in the 70s and early 80s, and on TV every week, my favorite shows were like Good Times and Different Strokes, and you know all that kind of stuff. And it's sort of like when you look at a Different Strokes or a Webster, basically saying the only way to get any kind of success monetarily is is to be adopted by rich white people and never grow up, yeah. right. just stay young, you know, or serve them. Like, give me a break. Give right. me a break, you know. Well, you know. So we had these different characters, and then when MTV comes, you know, um, you know, I'm wearing my Dave Davies shirt. You know, I, I listened to a lot of what what choices were on MTV in the in the earliest days. I mean, Michael Jackson had to fight for that, you know. But I'm, right. you know, like I don't even know why I like Big Country. <laughs> right, right. Every time that freaking video came yeah, on, right. I I was glued because there was a black guy in the band. Right, right. And it's right. like uh, it was a catchy song, but trust me, the main reason I was locked into it was because in that was the only time within an hour of watching MTV you saw a black face. Right. So now we're at a point where everything's available to everybody at all times. Yeah. yeah. On demand and you can if you and every week there's a show on Netflix or yeah. FX or something that we get to see some image of ourselves reinforced most of the time in a positive light or at least a truthful light. And not only that, we can go back and look at all the stuff and have access to it. And it doesn't really cost a lot of money in, in a way where it did even when you were collecting VHS or yeah. you have to wait two o'clock in the morning and plus praying record at the same time just right, to get right, that image, right. you know, now you know, there's no excuse. And, and, you know, I think the mission for me is just like, I want more artists to be ex- like digest this stuff and, and, and include it in their work, you yeah. know, because so they can feed their work. if you're just regurgitating what you, what, what's readily available, you're not really doing anything. Right. It's right. because it's all, it's all been done before yeah. right. and done better than what you're able to do. Yeah. Right. So if you don't do the research, if you consider yourself a filmmaker, an artist or of any kind, and you're just, into yourself and into your Twitter followers and into your, your likes and your views. And you're not really like trying to get an understanding of what the, the work was, you know, what Trina parks had to endure, you know, what, what the pawn shop owner had to deal with in terms of being able to be surviving. And we're talking about the museum. 
Yeah. And what everybody needs to go to the African American Museum just to see that we're all survivors and and and, and mm-hmm. really have a clearer understanding not only of you know the color of your skin but what why it's so dominant. Mm-hmm. Why if why if you see get out and you don't understand why it's why he's saying these people they 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 want to be us so bad you know it's because you know we 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 we've always had to endure and do so much more with less yeah that anytime you see an opportunity for black people to be creative you you should pay attention yeah. because that's where the trends start you know so more people need to look at stuff like like dark town strutters and and um you know just like the just like the DJs did back in the 80s like you know there's stuff in there like if you remixed it it could be dope i mean you know there's found that's the foundation of all hip hop you know everybody's excited about get out you know there's no get out without james brown there's no get out i mean and all that was just recycling stuff that was already done so if you if you have the time to look at things like this and say all right how would i remix it you could have See, oversimplified. I'm just saying, artists study your craft. Yeah. Stop repeating the same stuff because inadvertently you're putting stuff now in. Now it's that's time damaging. to better do. It's been a pleasure knowing right. you. I'll see you when it's time to I'm, meet again. We, we have, we have. We have had class, so thank you again. Thank you. Well, I had fun. Like I'm this. sorry, I got on my. So- I'll get off my soapbox now. No, yeah, no, please no, don't. Buy, no, no, buy no, a no, real no, black no. T-shirt. Yes, subscribe. You got to take us out so that I can do. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, uh, this show will be available on themashowmission.com as well as on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, and every place and any place the good podcast be, including streaming live. Well, not live. Pre-recorded on uh, WPPMLP, People Power Media, 106.5 FM, Philly Cam Radio, right here in Philadelphia, and Camden. Um, we will be back next week. It will be me and Vince as we uh, dig into Vince's European vacation, and we review Dear White Dear White People, right here on the Michelle Mission. He's Vince. I'm Len. He's, He's Mike. I'm Mike. Dennis. Yeah, this is the um, the your white people Netflix or the original? The original, the, original. the film. Okay, getting ready for the, the yeah the thing mm-hmm. about to drop. Yeah. I can't wait for that. Now, this is two black guys. I gotta go uh, decompress. I gotta watch my box set of Friends just to get out of this mindset. So. <laughs> Frazier or something. <laughs> Carol Burnett show. I just gotta. I gotta stop. It's too. It's just too. It's too black in here. It's real black in here, and it's deep too. Most certainly. All right, ladies and gentlemen. In parting, as always, we say we'll see you when it's time to meet again.